You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We have the return of the Dean cast today after a bit of a hiatus. And what better way to return than by having longtime West Coast recruiting insider, and friend Brandon Huffman on our show. Brandon, like myself, has been doing this a long, long time. We both wrote back in the days of Super Prep Magazine for Alan Wallace. Uh, Brandon did the West Coast. I did the Midwest. And that shows you how far we go back. But uh, welcome, Brandon. And how many years have you been doing this now? So I'm in my 18th year now doing this, going back to Started in the spring of 2003, kind of right at the end of the 2003 class. So I'm entering into my 18th full season of covering recruiting uh, on a national scale. And uh, I'm sure, like uh, like myself, you could name more than a few changes in this business over those years. Just just a few. I mean, it's funny because every two or three years you see some kind of cyclical change. You see some kind of you know, communication device makes things change. It has been fascinating to watch, yet, you know, we, we still have some things that remain the same from when we first got into the industry to now. They just seem to become fewer and far uh, further between because there's so much new that comes into things. And, uh, you know, with, with that, let's let's kind of bring, uh, bring us all up to uh, the present time, so to speak. And the present time... Uh, in regards to Ohio State, and uh, the Buckeyes are recruiting the state of Washington really, really well. And, you know, Brandon's out in the state of Washington. Um, you know, let's start with Ohio State's wide receiver signee from the class of 2020, uh, a young man you know very, very well. You know his family well, uh, G. Scott. Um, you've seen G. Uh, on more than one occasion, on many occasions. Tell our listeners what Ohio State is getting in G. Scott. Well, there's a, there's two different parts of G. Scott they're getting. One, the football player that they're getting is a player that, that I can say, you know, with pretty, pretty high confidence that in my 18 years of doing this, I, I don't think I've seen a player really work harder and harder and harder each year that he played the game in high school in the offseason to become the player that he is now. I mean, if you've seen – the G Scott that you see as a senior, as a freshman, you wouldn't have seen, you, you wouldn't have thought he would become the player he was three years later. He had the natural ability, but the kid just worked his tail off to get even better and even better and even better each and every year. So from a football standpoint, you're, you're seeing a guy who I think is still getting better as a player, even as he gets older. You know, he never had any elite quarterback to throw the ball to him in his high school career. You look at a lot of the receivers that signing with Division One programs, with a lot of the receivers that, you know, are kind of the more prominent names in football, and they usually have some kind of FCS at minimum quarterback throwing him the ball. You know, G never had that. He had a Juco quarterback one year. He had a walk-on at an FCS school. His offers were D2 and D3. His quarterback his senior year is a guy who may be an FCS type of guy, but he never had an elite passer. Yet his game got better every year because he – just added more nuances to his game. And then you see off the field the, the kind of person he is. He's a great kid off the field. 
uh, just you know, one of those guys that goes and volunteers and does stuff in the community. He goes and works uh, you know, with youth organizations. He'll go and he'll speak at schools. I mean, I always watched the way he treated my son, who's a couple years younger than him. You know, it always act like they were, they were longtime buddies. And then you look at what he means to the state of Washington as a football player long term. He could turn out to be one of the more pivotal recruits that Ohio State has signed in the next couple of years because of the impact and the relationship he has with some of the younger players at Ohio State is targeting state. So they're getting a fantastic football player on the field, but then they're also getting a great guy off the field who may even open more doors in the state of Washington for the Buckeyes. And, and you know, he's he's not going to have any problem of a good quarterback throwing to him at Ohio State. You know, he, he's he's there and Justin Fields is there now and, you got Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud also on campus with G as, as fellow classmates, and then you got Kyle McCord in the p- pipeline. So he's going to have some quarterbacks to throw to because Ryan Day and uh, uh, the Buckeyes are are recruiting quarterbacks at a pretty high level, and uh, certainly they're recruiting wide receivers at an extremely high level as well. So, uh, and speaking of, you know, opening doors, as you mentioned, in the state of Washington, you know, one of the doors they hope is about as wide open as can be is the door with defensive lineman J.T. Tuimolo Al. You know, he, he is uh, as good a defensive line prospect as there is in the country, and he's a guy that I really think Ohio State uh, in pretty good shape with, but you know him better than anybody as far as the recruiting people. Uh, where's Ohio State stand right now in your mind with, and I'll just go by JT, with JT? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an Ohio State-Washington battle for him. There's other schools that are trying to get involved, trying to stay involved, trying to continue to push, and they will. There'll be a few more schools that'll get visits, but ultimately I think it's going to come down to the two schools, Ohio State and Washington. What Ohio State has going for them obviously, is Larry Johnson's history of developing, recruiting, developing, and then putting his defensive lineman into the NFL, first at Penn State, and then obviously recently at Ohio State. You know, JT is very aware of the Bosa brothers, of of Chase Young, and seeing their development under Larry Johnson and how he made them better and turned them into top 10, top five picks. So I, I think that that's something that Ohio State certainly has in their back pocket when it comes to defensive linemen to kind of pass rusher development. You know, Ohio State is relatively peerless, uh, especially when it comes to the schools that are doing the best for JT. Now, the one thing that Washington obviously has going in its favor is the fact that it's 25 minutes from where he lives. All of his family is in the Washington area. So when he plays a game on a Friday night at Eastside Catholic, you see 50 fans in the stands all with their homemade orange shirts with the number 33 on it. And that's something that Washington will obviously produce the opportunity for is to have all his family and friends, you know, be close by and be able to come to his games pretty easily, pretty regularly. But does Ohio State's development of pass rushers outweigh the ability to play in front of your, his family? And, and I think that in the in JT's mind and the family's mind, that may weigh out even more importantly because they'll still be able to watch him on television. It's kind of the understanding is they knew they would get to watch him all the way through high school, but then that was preparing him for the next step and then preparing him for the next step after that. So I think Ohio State had a very, very, very good chance of being the one that lands JT and obviously his relationship with G. Scott. I mean, that's, again, where I said the doors were, were, were the pivotal nature of G. Scott's commitment and then ultimately his signing 
open doors, I think that's where JT really becomes a a player for Ohio State and that he's got a friend, he's got a teammate, a guy he's played with for the last three years in Columbus, or was supposed to be in Columbus, I actually saw a G3 weeks ago coming home from spring break, and he hasn't been able to go back, but uh, a guy who's been able to, you know, really tout Ohio State to him. So uh, I think it's an Ohio State-Washington battle. I my crystal ball still on cloudy. I, I want to wait a few more months and down that way a little bit longer to see how some of these spring visits go. Uh, but I think it really is a two-team race at this point. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And then, of course, the Buckeyes are very much in the thick of things uh, with another five-star from the state of Washington, a guy that wide receiver coach Brian Hartline is doing a super job recruiting. And you know, I don't know that it gets any better when it comes to wide receiver recruiting than Brian Hartline. I think it's as good as you're going to get. Um, Emeka Egbuka. Uh, and, and he, uh, he, he, I, I tend to think is going to be a, a two team battle as well, but I think it's going to be two different teams. But, you know, again, you know, Emeka very well. What's your thoughts on Emeka right now? Well, I would say publicly it's a three-team battle, Ohio State, Clemson, and Washington for him. Uh, but like you, I do think it really is two teams right now that have kind of separated themselves, Ohio State and Clemson. I, I'm not going to count Washington out entirely uh, just because, again, you know, when, when you're dealing with recruiting, you can never completely discount the home team. But when you're dealing with West Coast kids, a lot of times you can discount the home team. There's been – more and more of an emphasis on West Coast kids to leave the region and head out of state. And so there, there's no marriage to staying close to home with a lot of these kids. And I, I've never felt that Emeka was really feeling like he needed to stay close to home. So I, I think Ohio State and Clemson are the two schools that are really dabbing it out for him. He's visited both. He's got good relationships with Ohio State, with, with uh, Brian Hartline, with Ryan Day. The thing that Clemson's got to work on is – he likes Dabo, but Jeff Scott had been the, co- the coach recruiting him, and now he's at South Florida as the head coach. There's a new receivers coach that he's talked to electronically, he's talked to over the phone, but he hasn't had a chance to meet. So he was planning to get out and visit Clemson at some point this spring for an unofficial visit, but he was also planning to get out to Ohio State. I know Oklahoma is in the mix as well, and Stanford's been a school that's been mentioned some, Oregon as well. Uh, but really, there, this is a two at best three-team race for Emeka. Uh, right now, I still think Clemson's got the slightest, slightest, slightest of leads, largely because their depth chart becomes a little bit more desirable after this year with a couple more receivers graduating, where I think Ohio State has done such a good job at receiver recruiting, and the three that they brought in in 2020, uh, presenting a little bit of a logjam there. It's not that he's afraid of competition. It's just that there's more opportunity to play in less guys that they have to distribute the ball to at Clemson. So right now, I would be the slightest of lose to Clemson from that standpoint. But I would say right now, his best relationship is certainly with Ohio State, and that's something that the Buckeyes are going to continue to pursue. And one more note on that, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, right after G. Scott had come out for spring break, right before the 
state of Washington kind of went on to a shelter in place, G and Emeka worked out together and did some training together, throwing the ball at a local high school. So I can guarantee you that G was already spreading the gospel to Buckeyes that day. And Brandon, you you uh, obviously know the kids in the state of Washington better than anybody that covers recruiting, but you do the West Coast, not just the state of Washington. What is your vibe on Ohio State's brand overall uh, on the West Coast, you know, especially with Ryan Day now taking over the program? You know, how's everything being received? What's the vibe out there on the West Coast? I mean, it's as popular as it's ever been. You know, you and I think a large extent of that was because of Gene going to Ohio State, coming to Ohio State on Christmas Day in 2018, and spending another year, you know, talking about going to Ohio State and wearing Ohio State gear, and then playing in a playoff. So it's one of those schools that when you talk to kids that are still in the early stages of the recruitment, you know, they'll tell you, well, who your favorite schools? Oh, well, yeah, I like Washington, I like Washington State, or I like SC, I like UCLA. But then I like Ohio State, Oklahoma, OSU, and Alabama. You know, Ohio State's one of those first four out of everybody's names. If you're a receiver, you're mentioning Ohio State. If you're a DB, you're mentioning Ohio State. You know, everybody's kind of wanting a piece of that Ohio State action, would love to be recruited by them. And they're kind of at the point now where they're not even really having to recruit so much as they're just having to evaluate. If they evaluate right, and go in on a guy, chances are good they're going to get them. And that's, you know, regionally, uh, that's nationally, and it's certainly the case on the West Coast with Ohio State doing such a great job out West in the 2019, sorry, the 2020 class, you know, with getting G. Scott and Nathan Ransom and C.J. Stroud and, um, oh, goodness, uh, the linebacker from St. John Bosco, I'm completely ready Court, Court Williams. Williams. Uh, yeah, Court Williams. I mean, you, you got – you know, four guys there, but it goes back to a couple of years ago. They got Tommy Togiai. It goes back even before that when Evan Meyer got, you know, uh, Marcus Baugh. I mean, there's been plenty of Ohio State guys that have gone there the last few years, but or, or West Coast guys that have gone to Ohio State, but it really seems like it's ramping up, and, and a large part of that is the relationship the assistant coaches are having with these players, and then the chance when they meet Ryan Day, whether that's if they're in-home visit, whether that's when they go out for an unofficial visit, whether that's just on the phone, they're wowed by day. And so you can see that he really, really impresses players. And, and Ohio State's just kind of a, you know, right now at a peak out west especially and really taking advantage of kind of a down USC program as that big national program that's an option. These kids are looking to, to head east. Well, Brandon, it's always good to talk to you. I always look forward to my trips to uh Texas or for the uh All American Bowl or wherever and catching up with you, seeing you again. It's good to uh talk to you today and Buckeye fans appreciate you dropping all of your knowledge. Absolutely. Thanks Bill. Appreciate it. Okay, take care, Brandon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.